0: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Dallas's Classical Education Graduate Program. With a dedicated faculty and staff drawing on extensive experience in the classical tradition, The Classical Education Graduate Program benefits from the strength of the university's nationally recognized core curriculum, which embodies the UD's dedication to the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue as the proper and primary ends of education. The Classical Education Graduate Program combines the ethos of this core curriculum with a concentration on the theory and practice of classical education, bringing these to the working and aspiring classical teachers, school administrators, and home educators around the country earn a classical teaching certificate, a master of humanities degree, or a master of arts degree in classical education. With an extensive array of online courses, the program is designed to meet the schedules of busy classroom and homeschool teachers. In addition, for a limited time, the classical education program at the University of Dallas has scholarships available that can reduce the cost of the program by up to 90%. That's 90, 90%. Don't miss out on this opportunity today. Visit classical classicaled to start your application. Again, that is udallas.edu slash classical
1: ed. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, a podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode four, kids these days. Today's proverb comes once again from the Roman poet Horace. And I'll read it twice. Our father's age was worse than our grandfathers. We, their sons, are more worthless than they. So in turn we shall give the world a progeny yet more corrupt. Once more? Our father's age was worse than our grandfathers. We their sons are more worthless than they, so in turn we shall give the world a progeny yet more corrupt. The first thing I would point out about this proverb is that most people upon hearing it would reduce its value to just three words, kids these days. The average modern man hears this proverb and says, oh, that's the kids these days sentiment. And when we find that it is a 2000 year old Roman poet who said this, we might be prone to dismiss it. Kids these days is this ancient sentiment. Kids these days are worse than ever before is something that people have been saying for a long time. And so it must not be true. Because if kids these days were true, then the world would just be getting progressively worse. Everything would be falling apart. If kids these days were a fair sentiment, then we would not have gone to the moon. There wouldn't have been a storming of the beaches of Normandy if people were really consistently getting worse all the time. Now, there's also something about this quote that rubs the modern man the wrong way because the modern man believes that he comes on the tail end of history at the best moment of history. The modern man believes that things are actually better now than they have ever been. The modern man believes that all the history has really been leading up to recent discoveries, recent beliefs, new prejudices, new art forms. It's really all about the now unless the modern man thinks kids these days are fantastic and so the quote really is disturbing to the modern mind the idea that the modern view of history is entirely wrong is disturbing and maybe men were better a long time ago maybe the old prejudices were right But I don't know that either of these interpretations is fair. I don't believe that Horace's proverb necessitates, we say, everything has constantly been getting worse since time began. I don't think that's the real meaning of the quote. And as I'm not a modern man, I don't believe that things have been getting better since the beginning. So I I accept neither of these interpretations. And I don't think that Horace is saying that things have always been getting worse either. I think there's something else going on with this quote. So I would point out a few things here that seem intriguing to me. Number one is the specific wording of the quote. If Horace meant things have always been getting worse, he would say things have always been getting worse. But he doesn't say that. In fact, he confines his observation in this quote to just four generations, right? Our father's age was worse than our grandfathers. So there's two generations, grandfathers, fathers. We, their sons, are more worthless than they. So there's our generation. So in turn, we shall give the world a progeny yet more corrupt. So as opposed to talking about all of time, as opposed to speaking of all of human history, Horst confines himself to the century. He confines himself to four generations. If he meant that things are always getting worse, he would have just said so. But his observation is really more about the relationship between generations. This is not about all of human history. This is about the way that families relate to each other. So there's four generations, grandfathers, fathers, ourselves, and our children. Now, we can't avoid the perspective of the speaker of this proverb. How old is the speaker of this proverb? I don't know how old Horace was when he said this. And that's one of those things about a proverb, is that the less you know of the man who said it, the better off you are. How old is the speaker of this proverb? Well, grandfathers, fathers, ourselves, and our progeny, I would have to conclude that the speaker of this proverb is probably in his twenties. The speaker is someone who has observed his grandfather, observed his father, and is thinking about his own children. This is a sentiment of anxiety about having children. So, I think 25. The speaker of this proverb is 25, and at 25. The speaker of this proverb is on the cusp of rediscovering his own father and discovering maturity for the first time himself. At 25, men gain new respect for their fathers. I'd say between 25 and 30. We often lose track of our fathers around the age of 16, 17. When I say lose track, I mean, for many a teenager, your parents are simply obstacles. Maybe you love them, maybe you say you love them, but when I was 18, when I was 17, my parents were in the way. My parents were keeping me from doing what I wanted to do. And thus they had to be circumnavigated. I spent as little time at home as possible when I was 16, 17, 18, 19. My friends meant everything to me. And as Aristotle says in his book, Rhetoric, the young man always feels too fondly about his friends. Friends, intimates, companions always mean more to the young really than they should. So I wasn't home much. I didn't think of my parents often. Especially didn't think of my father often. And I would say that sentiment characterized late high school, college. I think I married at around the age of 26. I married at 26, and I'll not forget, at my bachelor party, shortly, two days before I married A friend of mine who had been married for two years said something to me that I've never forgotten. He said, get ready to turn into your father. This was true. What did he mean by this? He explained it further. I remember him taking me aside and saying, just the two of us, get ready to turn into your father. And I think he must have also said something like, There are things your father used to say that you haven't heard him say in a long time. Those things are going to start coming out of your mouth. There are sentiments you've never felt that you will begin feeling as a husband. And you will suddenly recall your father feeling that way when you were young or expressing those things or saying those things when you were young. And this was entirely true i don't remember the first time it happened this is a common human sentiment a common man sentiment i remember i had been married for two or three months and for the first time it happened i said something i don't remember what it was but as it came out of my mouth maybe even it was my father's tone of voice and You've heard me talk. If you were to hear my father talk, I don't really sound like my dad. I've taken on a number of his mannerisms as I get older, but I don't sound like him. If you heard him talk and you compared it with me talking, you wouldn't guess we were related just by the sound of our voices. As opposed to, say, you know, the Kennedys, who all sound exactly alike. You couldn't tell my father and I were father and son just by the tone of our voices. But I heard my father when I said something, probably something a little offhanded, a little glib, maybe a little world-weary, three months after I married. Couldn't believe it. And then I started finding it said more and more and more often, these things that my father had said. I said them too. And I developed, in my late 20s, this new respect for my father. I did not know how difficult things were for him. I didn't really respect him as a person, not in my late teenage years. It was an obstacle. Right? But as I came to respect him, one of those things that men in their late 20s always come to respect in their fathers is just how much fathers know how to do that you don't know how to do. To this day, my father can fix things that I can't fix. He's good at repairs. He knows what a socket wrench is. He knows what a Phillips screwdriver is. I don't know what these things are. If my life was on the line. And at this moment, someone said, Phillips head screwdriver. What's it look like? Man, I'd give myself even odds at choosing an image of that screwdriver from a book. I I don't know that I could do it. Dads are just good at fixing things. You can fix cars, faucets. Dads always know how to do things that you don't know how to do. Dads also care less about things that you still care a lot about in your late 20s. Have you ever seen a man, typically an older man, in Starbucks for the first time? There's not many of these creatures left, but there are some people in the world who have never been into a Starbucks before. They're all, I swear, over the age of 50. But still, these people are around. And you often realize that you're standing near one of these people maybe a few moments before they get up to the front to make their order. And when somebody who's never been into a Starbucks is in a Starbucks for a first time, it's almost guaranteed that something's going to go wrong. They get up to the front. They look at this huge menu. 50 things on it and it's probably some younger like son or friend or nephew who's conned this older guy into going into a starbucks for the first time he's not there of his own volition someone said let's go get a cup of coffee let's go to starbucks and he said i hate no nah, i don't want to do that i said come on dad there's there's no place come on grandpa there's no place closer to get a cup of coffee let's go into the starbucks And you always clock this person for who they are in line because they're muttering something to whoever dragged them there about how ridiculous the menu is. And they get up front, this person does, and they say, I just want a cup of coffee. And then the young barista has to explain the sizes of coffee to this older fellow, maybe 50s, late 50s, 60s. And he wants to know why all the sizes have these funny names. And it's starting to seem more ridiculous. Starbucks is starting to seem more ridiculous as you hear this exchange between this old man and this young barista. Would you like a venti? Would you like a grande? Do you want any splashes of syrup in it? And the old person always gets frustrated. No, I don't want any syrup in it. Just give me a cup of coffee. What size would you like? Of course, what's going to happen is the barista is on their first day He's going to get the size wrong. He's going to have to call the manager over to fix the order in the computer, which doesn't make any sense on your first day. And at some point, this person who's never been into Starbucks is going to turn and look at the person who conned them into coming and say something like, this is ridiculous. Just give me a cup of coffee. And all of his suspicions are confirmed that Starbucks is this ridiculous institution that sells Foofy buckets of coffee frosting that people suck out of straws. And that a real man just orders a black cup of coffee, maybe some sugar in it. On the one hand, this old man who's never been into a Starbucks and doesn't like it seems hopelessly behind the times. But there's also something about this fellow whenever I encounter him on the rare occasion that I encounter this fellow, which seems so full of common sense. And I know that everybody in the world, just about everyone in the world goes to Starbucks and then it's become one of the most ubiquitous shopping experiences there is in the world, or at least in America going to buy a cup of coffee. But that old man can make Starbucks seem ridiculous. His distaste for how needlessly complicated and commercialized coffee has become is what's at the heart of this quote. Our father's age was worse than our grandfathers. We, their sons, are more worthless than they. So in turn, we shall give the world a progeny yet more corrupt. Maybe we know how to do things that our fathers don't know how to do. But the kinds of things that we know how to do that our fathers don't know how to do is order a foofy cup of coffee at Starbucks. That's the kind of thing that we're good at. We know how to set up the TV so that whatever ridiculous show can be taped, recorded. But our fathers were always good at stuff that seemed more practical. We know how to order a cup of coffee at Starbucks without incident, without embarrassment. Whereas your father can fix a stove. And when you start contemplating all the things that you can do that your father can't, you can negotiate the world in a way that an older person couldn't. But when you think about trying to negotiate their world, when you imagine placing yourself back 25 years in history and trying to deal with the world that your father dealt with it's terrifying there might be something pleasant about imagining yourself in a world with no cell phones no social media etc but when you imagine having to do all the things that your father did it's kind of terrifying because they had to know how to do so much more than you know how to do Or if you imagine living in your grandfather's age, what if you had been born 50 years earlier? What if you had to deal with all the suffering of the world and only had the consolations that people had in the 1950s or 60s for those sufferings? What if you were reduced to those consolations? What would you do with your time? That's a... a profound concern of my medieval history, medieval literature students. What did people do back then? So your father's world is this more complicated world because the technology wasn't as good back then. And improvements in technology are just a constant in human history. It's not as though... Technology started making the world a cushier place 25 years ago. Now, granted, perhaps the world changes at a more rapid pace now than it did 500 years ago. But all throughout time, Stone Age gives way to Bronze Age. Bronze Age gives way to Iron Age. There's always less technology further back. And the less technology there is further back, the more difficult life is, the more trying it is, the more painful it is. Contemplate having surgery 50 years ago. Imagine that you had to get an operation with only the technologies that existed in 1960. How terrifying. Now, the quote from Horace uses some interesting words to describe the relationship between generations. Our father's age was worse than our grandfather's. We, their sons, are more worthless than they. So in turn, we shall give the world a progeny yet more corrupt. Three different words. It's not our grandfathers were great, our fathers were less great, we're not very great, our children won't be great at all. It's not the same word used three times. So our father's age was worse than our grandfather's. We their sons are more worthless than they, so in turn we shall give the world a progeny yet more corrupt. Now we can read corrupt two different ways. It could mean morally corrupt. But I tend to think that's not what it is. I tend to think it's, it, the key word here comes in the middle, and that it's worthless. We their sons are more worthless than they. Which is to say we know how to do less than they know We, their sons, are more worthless than they. We don't have worth. We don't have the same value that our fathers had. Our fathers were valuable human beings. We are less valuable. We're less capable. We're less competent. By the age of 25, which is the perspective of the speaker I'm holding forth, A man still cares for fashion, but not as much as he did in his early 20s. I still cared about fashionable things in my late 20s. Who am I kidding? I still care about fashionable things to some extent today, but not nearly as much as I did 10 years ago, and not nearly as much as 15 years ago. But fathers tend to not care at all for fashion. When you compare yourself with your father, You care so much more about fashion than your father. And your grandfather is beyond the considerations of fashion, beyond trends, does not care for any of these things. And it's easy to care about fashion when you're only with people your own age. Fashion seems to matter a lot among your peers. But fashion is often exposed in all of its foolishness whenever a person in one... Era of life, one phase of life, one stage, compares himself with people in other stages. And that's what Horace wants to do. He wants to compare four stages of human life the old man, the mature man, the man on the cusp of marriage. And when he speaks of progeny, I can't help but thinking that the quote is directed, it's a reflection on kids these days. So a man who's 25, who's not exactly kids, looks at people 14, 15, 16 years old and is terrified at the thought that these are the same human beings that will someday run the world. He regards himself as barely competent to run the world and looks at these older men who do not care about fashion at all and are thus able to give themselves over to more worthy lasting pursuits and say we don't have a generation to replace these i care too much about fashion kids these days care way too much about fashion what will become of the world when these are our leaders Like I said, I don't think this is actually a quote about all of human history, but about the way that these four generations relate to one another. Young men, men on the cusp of marriage, the mature man, and the old man. One of the reasons why I love this quote is because the alternative simply won't work. what is the alternative to the kids' these days sentiment? The alternative to the kids' these days sentiment is the aggrandizement of kids, the aggrandizement of youth, the aggrandizement of young, fashionable lifestyles that are not responsible for the care and protection of others. This is not so much a quote, really, about youth as it is about old age. The quote aims at a respect for the difficulty of the life of the father. The 75-year-old man, the grandfather referenced by Horace in the quote, is really no longer a productive member of society. Or I'm, I'm going to assume that it's not the 75-year-old man's productivity that Horace so admires, but his wisdom. 75, old enough to be infirmed, no longer in the prime productive years of life. The 50-year-old man still in the productive prime years of life. Aristotle claims intellectual power peaks at 49 And the man who's 25, on the cusp of getting married, is about to enter into his intellectual, physical prime. Well, Aristotle says 30 to 35 is physical prime. Whereas the young man, the progeny yet more corrupt, I think, being referenced here, is still merely consuming the world depending on the world and because the quote comes from a man who's 25 it's as though he recognizes the difficulties of life are about to get kicked into high gear things are about to become very trying things are about to become difficult more is about to be required of me than has ever been required before And the 25-year-old man still looks back on the progeny yet more corrupt, 15, 16, and can recall that stage of life. And he feels very fortunate to have just escaped it. Part of this quote's power is its ability to cut the speaker off from the foolishness of youth. This is a sentiment every man must pass through in order to leave the delusions of youth behind. And by the delusions of youth, I simply mean an inability to contemplate your own death. When you're young, you haven't taken on whatever physical ailment is going to beset you for the rest of your days. By 25, 26, 27, you've been to the doctor and have been warned at least once by then. You've developed some physical condition that you will have to nurse and worry about until you are buried in the ground. But the man who's 25 still remembers before then. And it's scary, the flightiness of youth. He's scared by the memory of his own flightiness and worthlessness. And so this is the sentiment that all mature men must have in order to mature. Now, the statement is not that this generation has provided nothing useful to the world. But the statement is more of an individual relationship with those younger and older, especially in your family. This is a quote delivered by somebody who wants to be like dad and is tired of being a stupid son. Horace's idea is only really offensive when you have no younger generation to consider. And thus the young man, the man 16, 17 years old, the man who is still flying from his father, Here's this quote and it seems pessimistic, it seems cranky, but this is not really the get off my lawn sentiment of the mean old widower that shows up in kids' movies. This is actually a far younger man's sentiment than an older man's sentiment. And I think the quote has to be understood that way.